Hey guys, and welcome to the Penny to Pounds podcast with your host Kia. And this is a podcast where we aim to dispel your myths, simplify difficult financial jargon, and rectify your own personal problems. Welcome to another amazing episode that I've got for you today. We're going to be talking about investing. Now, quite often we start off the podcast episodes like this, but this is slightly different. So we're investing in luxury assets and just looking at alternative investments. And to help me to guide this conversation, I have an incredible guest. Guest, who are you? Hi, my name is Larry Afrie and I am the managing broker of Neostar Global. So to give you context, we just happened to bump into each other, right? And then we started conversation. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool what you do. But we're going to get into that a little bit more. So I want to ask you, Larry, how did you start your journey and what did that look like for you? It was quite an interesting one, actually, Um, because before I jumped into the world of brokering, I was in corporate. Okay. Um, So I was in finance for seven years. I was working for one of the big fours. Um, And it just got to a point where I felt I wasn't being valued. I felt I wasn't growing. And because it's super stressful, um, being someone with sickle cell stress didn't really bode well with me. So it came to a point where I got really ill and I took some time off. Um, and whilst I was off, I was introduced into the world of digital asset brokering. So I jumped into that. Um, I was helping people acquire and sell digital assets. So basically the online stores, FBA stores, Shopify stores, okay. um, blogs. And it's really interesting because even those assets go for a ridiculous amount of money. There was a blog that we were representing um, that was making $20,000 a month. And we valued it at half a million. Wow. So, yeah, it, it was just crazy and so then is that essentially so let's let's say myself let's yeah. say i've got a blog that i've been writing for the f- yeah. for five years and yeah. i decide i want to sell it so yeah. you were the broker who would yeah help. so i would come in basically help you value the the blog or the business and then once we valued it and you're happy with the valuation we would then go market it we had several marketplaces that we had partnered up with um that basically helped us reach out to the masses to advertise the the asset and then, yeah, we'll just basically find the buyer, go into negotiations. Once everyone's happy, we just close the deal and move on to the next one. Very cool. Seller's happy, buyer's happy. They have an asset that's generating revenue month on month. And if they manage to scale it enough, they can sell it for more than they um, actually acquired it for. So I think digital assets is actually a really good asset to start off with if mm-hmm. you're a beginner, because you can have cash flow every month and then you build it to a point where you can just cash out. Yeah, yeah, so you can basically start a blog, start an Amazon FBA yeah. store or something like that. Exactly, yeah. Get it up to that point. Get up to that point to... and then look to sell it, yeah. Wow. And then my journey carried on from there. I had one client, I sold his um, store for him. It was a digital product. And then from there, we just built rapport. And then he reached out to me one day, just randomly. He said he's into luxury assets and he wants to kind of branch out into the UK market. And if I had anyone um, that would be interested in assets that he had on offer, so generally, um, it's the case where it's out of my depth. I was, and I thought, you know what? I was going through a phase where I was just like, I'm not going to say no. Every challenge is a challenge. Let me see what I can do. Um, so I reached out to a few people in my network and I was quite surprised that there was um, interest and in, in the ball was rolling. Even though we didn't manage to sell any of the assets because they go quite quick. Um, we built a great rapport and then we just decided to partner up. So that's how I then ventured into the luxury side. Um, I was doing both for a while, but then I began to find, um, the luxury side more interesting. So I kind of ventured and 
concentrating on the luxury side. So give us the inside scoop. Yeah. Right. So when it comes to high net worth yeah. individuals, you know, as people who be listening and watching, who yeah. want to get themselves yeah. to that point one day, what are the type of luxury assets that these yeah. individuals are investing in and what makes them good investments yeah. in their eyes? What we've been seeing as the top two asset classes are property and art. Um, so luxury property, obviously property market is always booming. It's always going to appreciate. And then there's art. I think when it comes to property, the difference between property and art is property is very long-term, whereas art, art is subjective. It's yes. the case of where the value is in the eye of the of, of the acquirer. So it's the case of where they hold the art for a few years, say five years, and then they decide to to um, sell it and then move on to re reinvest the capital and then move on to other assets. So art is the big one. We're receiving a lot of requests for artwork at the moment. So how does that work? If someone's requesting artwork, would they, for example, come to you and yeah. say, I'm looking to source X yeah. piece. And then you'd go and see if you could help. Yeah, that exactly position. that. Yeah. So if, if anyone's looking to source art, they will literally, there's two places. You go to an advisor or broker, or you go to an auction like Sotheby's or Christie's. Um, we find that people that come to us um, want to sell and acquire more discreetly, especially where auctions are very public. And when it comes to the uh, provenance, which is the history of the art piece where it's been, it lists that it was acquired from Sotheby's or Christie's. It's only if it's a private collector, they just don't list the name, just a private collector. Um, so they usually come to us, they essentially say there's specific pieces and specific um, artwork that they want or they just say I'm looking for a basket or I'm looking for an Andy Warhol so then it's our job to reach out to our network and essentially see if we can source it for them so at the moment it's kind of like we're more of a luxury asset concierge because we're doing more of the sourcing um, but we do have pieces that we're representing directly for the for the sellers as well. Now I love having this conversation with you because oh. this is such a foreign world that unless you're exactly. in it like yourself, yeah. this all sounds what really people do this and people go exactly yeah. buy that. Yeah. But I think it's such a great insight to see what people are actually investing in because yeah. the conversations that we naturally have on this podcast yeah. is invest in stocks and shares yeah. and this and that. And I'm not saying that anyone here is going to go and find an, um, you know, an yeah. Andy Warhol painting, yeah. but it's still good to see what that looks like and what exactly. people are investing in. Yeah. So I'm sure you've come across a lot of interesting luxury yeah. asset pieces yes. yeah. in your time. Yeah. So is there anything that was particularly unique, any pieces or any ones that stood out and what did that process look like for the client who wanted it? I think the most unique story that comes to mind is um, it was actually a watch. So this was the Tiffany Patek Philippe collaboration, 170th okay. anniversary. Um, only 170 made. Um, it had celebrities like Leonardo DiCaprio and Jay-Z pictured in it. Um, so we had the clients who were lucky enough to manage to get one. Obviously they knew the value of the piece, so they would get it and then look to potentially sell it straight away because it's appreciated already. Do you know um, what the retail value was of that? The retail value, I believe was like $50,000. Okay. Um, but then they were selling for like upwards of 5 million. 5 million? Yeah. Just cause it was such a unique piece and it was the last model of the Nautilus. So after that one came out, they stopped producing Nautilus model. So that's wow. why it just made the um, value go up. Um, so we had a client who who had one. He wanted to um, find a buyer for it. His asking price was 5.5. 5. 
we managed to find a buyer in the UAE or buyer's representative in the UAE. And it was such a crazy day because he said, um, ask all these due diligence questions. And he said, okay, cool. I've got 4 million cash and can close today. I was like, wow. So I went to the buyer, or sorry, the seller and told him, look, we have a buyer, but he's offering 4 million. It's just under your asking or it's, or it's quite a bit under your asking. He's like, no, I'm going to stick with the, with the 5.5. Um, unfortunately, we didn't close it. It went to um, someone else. But that kind of taught me a massive lesson in the sense of if you know the value you hold in something, mm-hmm. don't kind of... Um, don't lower it. Don't lower it for, for anything because it's a case where you know, you're not being delusional. You're not being... You haven't overestimated. You know that it's worth this value. So that kind of taught me... Obviously, as a broker, my goal is to is to close the deal, make both sides happy, but... Yeah, that taught me a, a very valuable lesson in the sense of it's not all the time where you would take a lower price just to get rid of it, even though the profit margin would have been huge. He knew the value and he got the value that he wanted. So that was very interesting. I completely agree. And yeah. I think that is so important to keep yeah. in mind in every aspect of life, to be yeah. fair, but especially in investments. Yeah. But sir, I'm still stuck on that what's retailed yeah. for 50000 Yeah, around $50,000. Around yeah. that. Yeah. And... It could sell for upwards of five million. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Are there any other like luxury asset pieces that have similar markups like that? To be honest, ones with the massive markups in the watch world would be like a Richard Mill. Um, Patek Philippe has has really good kind of like valuations, um, and then just art. Art. Um, art is a case of where, especially with the masters and the modern masters like Basquiat, um, especially with here with the. Or is it? I think the 40th anniversary of his death coming up in five years. Um, we're anticipating his pieces to kind of like appreciate um, quite a considerable, considerable amount. And then he's currently trending right now in the marketplace. There's a lot of clients that are looking for Basquiat and Andy wow. Warhols. Yeah. You touched on it a bit earlier, but how important is due diligence when it comes to this world? Because yeah. especially I'm sure with art, yeah. it's very important. But how important yeah. is it? It's extremely important, especially art. Art is, like I said, it's subjective, but art is, because of the appreciation value, there is potentially a lot, a lot of fakes out there. So we need to make sure that our due diligence is spot on. So when you're kind of doing due diligence on art, you need to have an expert's report. So every artist has a specific expert that specialises in the artist. Um, it's great if you have that specific expert kind of sign off and say, yeah, we've... we've um, We've looked at it, it's authentic, um, so the, the certificate of authentication. There's the literature, has the art piece being written about in, in books. Um, okay, oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that that would be an important factor. Yeah, exactly, because if, if it's being written about me, that it's made the rounds in museums and galleries, so, and um, all the experts in the field have kind of like viewed it and they've written about it and kind of give the history of the piece and... Um, the artist's mindset when he was going through that phase or that period um, in their journey. Um, another one is the provenance, which gives the history of the art, where it's been, um, if it's been with a private collector, if it was sold at auction, if it's been a museum or gallery. So all of that is given the provenance. Um, and then I think they're the main ones. I'm probably missing a couple, but yeah, due diligence is, is very, very important. important. And we need to make sure that we do our due diligence. It's kind of tough because there's a lot of time wasters um, when it comes into this industry so we usually ask for a letter of intent before we go through the work of um, sending all that information across okay so what does um, a letter of intent 
container? What should it contain? So letter of intent essentially is the buyer um, confirming his intent to acquire the painting at the confirmed price or the agreed price. Um, and it's not, it's non-legal binding, but it gives the seller kind of like reassurance, okay, call your interest because you've gone through the stage of having a lawyer write up a letter of intent or going through a stage of doing a letter of intent. Um, so we we believe that you're serious and then we kind of send over all the due diligence paperwork. Once they're happy, um, we essentially then take a deposit. Once the deposit's taken, the buyer can bring themselves or their expert to inspect the painting just to make sure that everything's legitimate, everything's legal, the paperwork's legal. And then once they're happy, we just close the deal. Um, they transfer over the remaining balance and we can transport it to wherever they want in the world. That, you made the process sound very easy and very quick, <laughs> yeah, but I'm but sure that is not the reality. It's not, it's not the reality. The, the process is so long. Um, it's the case away it could take months um, wow. or even years because we're currently dealing with a piece by Leonardo da Vinci that's going for eight figures. The process for that one is crazy. Um, so it's not an it's not an overnight thing. That is very crazy. Yeah. You mentioned all the things that you kind of look for and what needs to be yeah. in place. How easy is it for things to be faked? And have you ever come across something that perhaps you initially might have thought was real and then mm. you realised, ah, no, that's a fake? Luckily enough, because we have a process for our due diligence, we haven't come across anything else fake. Um, but it's the case of, because there's so many processes in a due diligence, um, in the due diligence process, I don't believe it's difficult or it's easy to, to fake the documents. Um, I think the case away, if you have a really good forger, um, then it may pass, but we haven't come across any, any fake pieces. Yeah. That's good. And we, we, we touch wood that you never have that. Touch yeah. We touch wood that you never have that. How important is networking in this space? Because you mentioned yeah. that you started off in a completely different world. Yeah. And now we're here into luxury assets. Exactly. And, you know, you mentioned that you met someone who yeah. helped you to start this journey, yeah. but how important is it to network and keep networking yeah. in what you do? Network in this industry, it's, it's super important because it's the case of where with the digital assets, we could market the pieces or the businesses. But when it comes to luxury assets, some of the owners or sellers don't want it to be marketed on an open market um, because it kind of, um, I want to say devalue, but it kind of brings it down because it's a case of where everyone is aware it's out there. So it's, there's nothing really unique or special about it no more, if I could put it like that. Um, so networking is very important. Uh, so we have a lead generation process uh, where we kind of um, find potential buyers and sellers, and as well as just being out there in the world, networking is, is very important. But what does out there in the world mean? Because how do you begin to even rub shoulders with the right people in that yeah. <laughs> industry because you know you know if we talk about you want to get into finance you yeah. want to get into something there are yeah. networking events yeah. that you know you can purposely attend yeah. to meet people in that area yeah. but yours seems so much more different and yeah. almost a bit more covert not yeah. in a bad way but there's people who want to be a bit more private yeah, exactly. so how do you find yourself in those rooms I mean it's the case where I believe in life is the case where you can't write anyone off there's only six degrees of separation so obviously, just like how we got to talking, um, I'll just be talking to people. General question, oh, what do you do? Comes up and then, oh, I know someone who's um, a gallerist or I know someone who's distant. So that's how it started working. Um, and then obviously you need to try and get yourself into the right place, like private membership clubs and mm -hmm. the correct networking events and 
gallery openings and especially events like Art Basel, Art Dubai. Um, so that's actually what we're looking to start doing um, either this year or next year, start getting to these events and kind of introducing ourselves and um, getting to know the right people in the industry. I want to ask you then, your journey yeah. is a very interesting one yeah. and you know a hell of a lot about yeah. what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. What have been some of the challenges for you transitioning from selling, well, you know, helping being the broker for digital yeah. assets yeah. to now being involved with luxury assets? I'm sure there have been a few hurdles for you. Yes. What have those yeah. been? I think the main hurdle is obviously we're new in the industry. Um, so trust is a, is a, plays a major factor. So trying to build authority and gain authority in the industry. Um, so just the case where, like I say, just reaching out to people, obviously, um, having knowledge of the subject matter or the industry is, is always good because it just shows that you're not a time waster. You actually know um, a bit of what you're doing, even though we have a long journey ahead of us. And I think it's the case of where the right partnerships, because before um, I wasn't finding the right partnerships. But now um, my partner who's based in Dubai and we have, a th we have a third partner who's joining us. It's great because we get to divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. So right now he kind of takes care of UAE and I take care of Europe and, and Americas. And then, as I said, the third person is about to join. Um, and then we're going to kind of look at the structure again and then divide it so that we can basically um, branch out more and get more exposure. So the, the, the main hurdle was was building trust. Um, that's the main hurdle. Do you sit down with a book and say, right, I'm going to study this piece. I'm going to learn about that. Because how do you... Get no, to know so much yeah, about the things that you're helping to... It's quite start. funny because it's, it's kind of like full circle for me because I've always been into art and graphics. Okay. So when I was younger, I was super into art and graphics, but come from African household, art doesn't bring the money. And so I kind of diverted to accountancy. Um, so all the knowledge or the basic knowledge comes from what I studied in art classes in um, GCSE and A-level. And I'm always kind of like upskilling and keeping up to date with current trends and everything like that. So, yeah, it's kind of like a full circle moment. I'm not the ones producing the art, yeah. but I'm the one representing the art and, and managing some of the pieces. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great full circle moment. What's some of the, the pros or your favourite things about working in this, this world that you're in? I think the, the pros is it's always challenging. I've, I've, well, I find that a pro. It's, it's always challenging because, yeah, yeah. There's never a dull moment. There's always a problem to solve, and it kind of keeps it interesting. Um, obviously, the commission side of it is, is a massive pro, even though it takes ages to close, or it could take ages to close. Once it does close, the commission that comes in is is and can be life changing. So um, that's that's a massive pro, and just learning about all these different asset classes because. Being interested in investing myself, all the knowledge that I'm gaining, when I'm ready to start pumping my money somewhere, I know exactly where mm. to kind of park it, where I know that it's going to appreciate um, the artists that are trending and, and things like that. So, yeah, that's definitely. That's cool. all valuable yeah. information to know, to be yeah, fair. Exactly. Um, yeah. I'm going to use you. I'm going to keep it locked in for me when I'm ready <laughs> yeah. to pump my money yeah. into that as well. Yeah. For anyone who has listened to your journey mm. and wants to delve into luxury assets yeah. i'm already teetering on the edge i'm, I'm interested yeah. it sounds really cool <laughs> but for anyone who wants to maybe move into yeah. that world like you have what would be some of your top tips okay then the main top tip is just keep just keep going because it gets to a point where it is tough um like i said that the main element is trust 
once you build a trust and you start closing um, a few deals, then obviously your confidence builds. But um, you will always hit a wall because mm-hmm. you're thinking you get like imposter syndrome, especially um, someone that's not from that world. And I'm kind of edging uh, on the edge of that world, um, trying to break through and understand and network and everything. Mm-hmm. It can get a bit disheartening when it's like you're thinking what's happening. Is it because of me? Is it because I'm not knowledgeable? So it's the case where you will always hit a wall. You just have to find a process where once that happens, just yeah, find a process where you're able to to break through it. Even if it means take a couple of days out, go to the gym, mm-hmm. go do something fun, go to the cinema, just get your mind away from because when you walk away and you clear your mind, you start seeing different kind of avenues and, and different ways to solve the problem that you're you're coming across. So I think that's the that's the main tip. Just keep at it and just keep networking. Um, keep trying to build authority and trust in the industry. I think that's a really good piece of advice. Yeah. I think often we neglect our mental health. Exactly. Yeah. And we can take our, our work home with us. Yes. And, you know, yeah. if you had a bad day, yeah. it's tempting to bring it home. Yeah. But I think, like you said, taking a couple of days out, yeah. I've had that before, and you take the time out yeah. and you feel like a brand new person. You yeah. can approach things with yeah. a different mindset, like yeah. you said. I think it's yeah. a really good piece of advice. I think another top tip would be just diversify yourself. Mm. Don't diversify yourself where you stretch yourself thin, but diversify yourself where you have a cash flowing asset. Like I said, it could take months or maybe years to close to close one. So if as long as you have something on the side that's bringing the cash flow in for you to handle the expenses or fly into different countries to meet clients or uh, cover your bills, that's also important. Um, me, myself, I'm heavily into e-commerce. Um, so I have a few dropshipping businesses that kind of keep the cash flowing in to ensure that um, everything is all the expenses and overheads are being covered. So, yeah. I, I think, think that's, that's, that's also lovely. really good. Yeah. Like you say, I think maybe you go into that world and think I'm going to make so much money straight away. But exactly. as you said, yeah. it can take so long. So yes. having yeah. that there, yeah. still generating money, it makes yeah. total sense. You mentioned a little bit earlier about commission. Yeah. So what could that roughly look like for someone who was in, I'm not necessarily saying yeah. you, but someone who was in that industry, mm. if they close on a, a massive piece, what would that look like? What could so that look like? our commission generally starts from 10% and depending on how expensive the asset is or sorry, the price of the asset, um, it goes down to like 5%. Um, so the Leonardo da Vinci that's eight figures probably commission on that will be five percent because it's such a mm-hmm. it's such a large asking price um but we usually we usually go with ten percent because there are there's a buyer and seller side so we essentially there's two ways when it comes to um negotiating the price it's either we factor the commission into the price um with the seller so that they know that as soon as it closes this chunk is coming out and that's our commission or we add the commission on top. So we always let the buyer know this is the price plus 10% so that they know that, okay, cool, I need to factor in the commission on top of that. So, yeah. 10% is yeah. a good chunk. Yeah, it's, it's a nice chunk. That is, yeah. That's a nice yeah. chunk. Yeah. Finally, I just want to end on this. Looking back at your journey, yeah. and you've come a long way, you've yeah. done a lot in your time, mm-hmm. and there's still way more to come. Way more to come, yeah. What would be some of the key lessons that you say that you've learned along that journey? Oh, key lessons would be... Patience. I'm naturally an impatient person, so it's taught me kind of like be more patient and just trust the process. Um, like I said trust is, is, is the main one. Obviously, as an entrepreneur, there's always going to be 
time down the journey where you get burnt, but it's important to to learn from those um, from those moments and implement something within your process to make sure it doesn't happen again. For example, we spoke about the due diligence. Mm-hmm. Um, fake things could slip through at any moment, but it's important that if you get to a, a place where one does slip through, you learn from it. Where did you, what step did you miss in the due diligence process or mm. what document was so um, good looking that it may have slipped the, the naked eye? So yeah, it's the case of yeah, patience and, and trust and just believe in yourself. Trust your process. Um, it will take ages. The best things come to those who wait and, the, exactly and the best things come on, on the on the long journey ahead. So it's a case where just keep your head down, keep prodding along and something something will happen. And like I said, it's just the strategic partnerships. And I think the most important thing is don't be so caught up in the in the commission. Mm. Because with me, I, I had a partner. We have now we have a third one. So I've gone from fifty percent to thirty three percent. But that's not my focus point. It's the case of where this additional partner joining us, his knowledge and his network is going to help us potentially close a lot more where we're going to make a lot more in commissions. So I think there's a there's this culture of of um, ownership, but it's important to understand that you don't always have to own 100%. Yes, I mean, that's a big one. Bezos and Elon Musk don't own 100% of all their businesses but they're the richest people in the world so Mm -hmm. it's important to know when to dilute your shares um, especially if there's going to be a beneficial element to it and then yeah just keep your head down and keep pushing that was a great tip (laughs) to end on that was really good for anyone listening and watching who wants to find you and wants to kind of see what you've got going on where can they find you find me on instagram Uh, it's lawrence underscore the underscore broker that's my personal one um, Neostar Global is the business one and you can find me on LinkedIn under Larry Jeffrey. Larry thank you so much no this has been a very insightful yeah. episode into yeah. a world that perhaps we wouldn't know too much about if it wasn't for your insight yeah. so no wish worries. you all the best on thank this you journey. very much and excited to hear more of the things that you get up to yes, when you get definitely. to to broker I'm excited <laughs> definitely but to everyone listening and watching thank you and again and we'll be back again next week with another episode bye guys